up, y'all, and welcome to the Jack Vita Show. I am your host, Jack Vita, back in action on Monday afternoon, August 24th, 2020. Hard to believe it's almost September here. Sports world is on fire. We've got plenty to discuss today. Baseball, we got NBA playoffs. Some of those round one games have concluded. We have some really exciting matchups. And this is really the first time I've gotten a chance to discuss the NBA playoffs in greater detail since the NBA's return a few weeks ago. We will get into that. The Cubs and the White Sox crosstown cup over the weekend. Fun series. Plenty to get to there. Plenty to get to from the world of baseball. Before we do any of that, we must discuss the greatest of all time 2000s kid show bracket that is now live on jackvita.com if you are unfamiliar with it go on to jackvita.com check it out you can vote for your favorite show we are about to enter into the round of 32 tomorrow that should be a lot of fun we're going to discuss the first round happenings on that bracket lots of to get into today. I'm so happy. So let me bring in my guest for the day, making his podcasting debut. My longtime friend who I it's been too long since I've seen him. It was great just chatting with him just now as we were getting our mic set up and I'm looking forward to hanging out with him over the next hour. Grant Smith Calling in from Charlotte, my high school classmate. Grant, how are you doing today? Jack, I, I'm doing fantastic. A little gray here in Charlotte, but I, <laughs> it, it has been a long day. It's been a, quite the Monday. I, I'm excited <laughs> to get into it here. A lot of great topics. I'm excited. All right. So, Grant, did you have a good weekend, first and foremost? You know, I, I had a great weekend. I was able to make my way um, about 25-minute, 30-minute drive back up to Davidson, just driving through, hit my local uh, local ice cream shop, favorite <laughs> up there, got some chocolate raspberry, Oof. went into the, my favorite Ace Hardware. So um, it, was, it was a good weekend in, in all. Favorite Ace Hardware? What makes this Ace Hardware so good? People have their happy places, Jack, and, and that <laughs> is one of mine. There's one across from the post office in Wilmette um, yes. and kind of next to the library there. There's one in Davidson, and I just go in there and I walk down um, kind of the aisles, and it's calm. It smells like a like a workshop. And oh, yeah. It really just it, it settles me, to say the least. Has anyone made a hardware store cologne? Because I think that would be a top seller. <laughs> you know, I've, I've, I've smelled some bad colognes, and I think <laughs> yeah, I'd be surprised if they haven't, um, but I'd be surprised if any. I have certainly not bought one. I'll put it that <laughs> way. Um, I, I go for the tried and true Old Spice, and I'll stick with that for now. <laughs> Good stuff. I still have a can of Tag Body Spray, circa 2007. <laughs> they had those crazy commercials. <laughs> oh, I remember those. Those. I feel like about 90% of the high school gym locker rooms were guys putting on that spray. That <laughs> or, I think it was Axe. Yeah, I think it was Axe. I think t- it was really weird. I don't understand the 
rise and fall of Tech Body Spray. I don't know what happened there, but at some point, Axe took out Tag. And I just thought Axe always smelled like garbage. But Tag I, Tag smells pretty good. Hey, man, I, there's, I think there was a, a, a double pit to Chesty commercial that I can't get out of my head. So they must have been geniuses in the marketing department there. <laughs> well, the Tag commercials it was like here's some dude going over for a date and then like the girl's mom all of a sudden just like tackles him (laughs) yeah yep i remember that one too (laughs) if you're coming halfway through those commercials you probably don't really know what the ending is going to be like (laughs) (laughs) good point good point so I, yeah, I'm a big fan of the hardware store. It's a great smell. There's always good stuff. That sounds like I'm going to have to... What's that ice cream place in Davidson? Uh, it's called Carolina Cones. So mm. I, I don't think it's a chain. Um, it might be. I haven't found another one, but it's got the classic um, classic flavors. It's got its own flavors. It's got the train that goes around on the ceiling. It's a, it's a fun time. Wow. So a little bit of the Wilmette Ace Hardware store there too. Yeah, man, it's, it's <laughs> everything. So it's it's pretty fun. It's pretty fun. That's awesome. If you have you ever been to speaking of ice cream, have you ever had Cops frozen custard in Milwaukee? You know, I've been to Milwaukee a handful of times, and I've had I think frozen custard. Just as many. I haven't had that yet. Oh, it's outstanding. Highly recommend it. That is good to know. Yeah. Duly noted. Yeah. K-O-P-P apostrophe S cops for all the listeners. Milwaukee. I'm going to have to try out Carolina cones when I inevitably make it to Davidson for a college basketball game. You know, you've got a place to stay and you know, any Davidson home game is a thriller. <laughs> no matter if, if we're crushing the other team or not, it'll be fun. For sure, sure. That'd be fun. So, Grant, we have a lot to get into today. And first and foremost, the Goat Kids Show bracket is on fire. We had a very lively first week of voting. I think I, I had teased it a little bit. I talked about it last week on the podcast. I also told some people about it, but I think a lot of people, it just sort of caught up on them by surprise. They weren't expecting it. And I, I noticed over the course of the week, just the numbers of voting, just it went up exponentially from Tuesday to Friday. You know, I, I think it's one of those things where the nostalgia hits <laughs> you hard. And when you see it, you, you want to participate. You want to, you want to join. I know I, I've been following you for, for quite a while, so I was expecting it and ready to vote. Um, and I, I still struggled with, with some. Um, I, I have my, my biases, and maybe we can yeah. talk about some of those shows later. But it was, uh, it was an easier first round than, than I thought yeah. it might be. But looking at this second round, I, I'm not so sure I can say the same. <laughs> yeah, it was... It was so wild. I mean, the first round, there were 32 matchups, and only five of them were decided by a single-digit vote margin. And now, 
I think that's going to be very different here in round two. Yeah, I I mean, I can list off the ones that, that I... I'm going to need to take some time with. Maybe go back, watch a few episodes. Okay, on. well, let's do that in a second. Let's talk about this first round. And Grant, I... I believe you had a question for me. You asked before we got on here, how many people were voting? This thing started early in the week. It was about 70-ish people, 70-ish votes per topic. And then by the end of the week, it was over 100 for each. So I was getting about 800 votes daily around Thursday and Friday. It was pretty crazy. My goodness, I mean that's it, it's it's a a wild concept to to think about all these shows that we watched and kind of like just thinking about a, a Hannah Montana and Courage the Cowardly <laughs> Dog. I mean that's a one versus a sixteen. You could easily argue some of these seeds depending on kind of how you're feeling that day. And I mean it's it's just amazing to to just be in the moment and see that and to, to know how many people actually were, were involved in the voting. <laughs> I, I think it, it helps, helps affirm kind of uh, how much we remember from, from that, that era, I guess. Yeah, seriously. Grant, you bring up seeding. Was there any seed, any gripes that you had with the seeding? Cause I got, I got some, uh, some messages on Instagram. Some people were not happy. <laughs> you know, it, it was less about seeding, and, and I think I, I tried to, to not input my bias. Um, I tried to just take what was there and go with it. I actually I agreed um, with most of them. I I do have to say I'm glad that Nine Seed Ned's Declassified School Survival Guide <laughs> made it through. I, I don't know if that was the nine seed was correct in my point of view, but I can see how that fits. Um, but I'm glad it made it through. I do think um, I do think Hey Arnold deserved uh, a two seed over the Powerpuff Girls, though. Um, I, I know <laughs> that's a that's probably a, a debatable one for me, though. Yeah. So. That's a good one you bring up. I tried to be as fair with balancing out these networks because I'm a big-time Nickelodeon homer. So I wanted to give Cartoon Network some representation, have a two-seed in there. Powerpuff Girls was the biggest show. But, I mean, at the end of the day, it's not going to matter because Hey Arnold is probably going to roll through the Wild Thornberries this week. And... Avatar is going to be a tough matchup for Powerpuff Girls, so I think it might even help Hey Arnold that they don't have I, uh, to go against Avatar in the second round. You're, you're so right, and, and I think Avatar being on Netflix now, I know I haven't seen that in ages, and I turned that on, and my roommates got excited because they heard the, the theme song, so... <laughs> I, I do agree with you there. Maybe you actually you knew what was going on behind the scenes. Um, <laughs> so that's a good point. Hey, Arnold, by the way, had the most commanding victory this past week. Hey, Arnold outscored Just Jordan, the uh, two-season Nickelodeon Teen Nick show, Just Jordan. 
Hey Arnold won 81 or no, 80 to 1. 80 to 1. That person's finger must have slipped. That <laughs> I was thinking 81 to uh, I was thinking it'd be really funny. We should track down that person and just say, look, you are the Just Jordan Stan. You need to be the president of the Just Jordan fan club. You're the <laughs> only one out there that is voting for it. it. Yeah, this is not to shame anybody's anybody's vote or anything like that. I'm I'm genuinely curious to see um, if if it was a mistake one or two. What did they have a relative that produced Just Jordan? What's <laughs> what's the story there? There's there's got to be something more. I want if you're listening and that was you. Tweet it out. Tweet it out at Jack Vita and whatever Grant's Twitter is and explain to us what defend you don't have to defend it, just explain it to us. That's that's all. I'd love to hear it. Yeah, there's there's a story there. There's a story. <laughs> so the biggest surprise to me, Grant, was that Ed Ed and Eddie ended up taking out Phineas and Ferb. I thought Phineas and Ferb for certain was going to at least get through the first round. I thought I was going to get to the second round. I had thought it had potential to make a deep run really. And one of the big things I noticed through this voting is that Instagram voters, there was a lot of Gen Z on Instagram, people younger than you and I. And I think that's just in general, Mm -hmm. in terms of usage, that's where the young people are. And Phineas and Ferb came around a little later for us. That was a show that was much more popular with my younger siblings, but it was a good show. It was very creative. The music was very good in the show. I was shocked that that show got taken out by 13 seed Ed, Ed, Nettie, uh, 35 to 34, just by one vote. It was extremely close. You know, this, this is something that, that I think it's, if Adam and Eddie and Phineas and Ferb were shows at the same time, um, I, I do think Phineas and Ferb takes us, but knowing the audience and knowing the um, kind of the quality of the shows, I, I would normally take Phineas and Ferb here. But for me, I'm thinking of nostalgia. I'm thinking of what episodes do I remember? What characters do I remember? And Adam and Eddie just, kind of across the board picks the boxes for me. And I think other people feel the same. I think it's interesting just because there are more young people on Instagram. So I'll, I would have to look at the voting breakdown if the Twitter crowd was the one that steered that victory. But I thought because it was a similar impact, the same region, Legends of the Hidden Temple got bounced by the Disney Channel games, which I just think is criminal. That's that's crazy to me. I'm sorry. It, Legends of the Hidden Temple deserve better than that. And it seemed a lot of people who are younger than us, Grant, even people our own age, were not very familiar with Legends of the Hidden Temple. You know, I I remember those briefly. I, I wasn't big on TV until... Probably like Lizzie McGuire, and, and like that was probably one of the first shows I really remember getting into. Um, but I, I agree with that. I don't remember much uh, anything truly meaningful coming um, fr- from either of those. But I do remember the the legends just sticking with me much more. So I don't have as much skin in that game. But yeah. but I was so, just as surprised as you were. Yeah, and then another another generation breakdown that was really 
big divide that I found very interesting. Keenan and Kel, four seed, only beat Corey in the house by four votes. For a big chunk of time, Corey in the house was leading that matchup. Corey in the house only got two sh- seasons on Disney Channel. It was really a forgotten show. It wasn't a bad show, but I don't think a whole lot of people had really thought about Corey in the house since it aired. And Keenan and Kel, you just look at Keenan. Both those guys leaving a stamp on the pop culture. They got the Good Burger movie. Keenan got his. It helped launch Keenan to SNL, who's now the longest tenured cast member. I think that was another situation. I got a lot of messages from people younger than you and I. I've never even heard of this show before. Is what they were saying. That's criminal, and I'm I'm appalled. <laughs> I think there's there's things about Keenan and Kel that made their way into uh, into everyday jokes, right? <laughs> there's there, there's the the classic Yo Mama jokes that we all remember, and there's jokes from Keenan and Kel about Good Burger and whether it's the characters or the shenanigans they got into. It's it's that was funny. Like that was a, that was a show that people would watch, and you knew your friends would watch. It was healthy, it was funny, and it was good, clean fun. And I think that's something that, to me, when you put it up against other shows that can only can only last two seasons, that's a no brainer for me. Yeah, yeah, that was really quite surprising to me. Keenan and Kel, the, one of the other things I remember from Keenan and Kel is that whole thing where they do the little, they have the studio audience at the beginning, and Keenan would be like, Kel, I need you to go get a mop and a baseball cap and meet me over at the uh, <laughs> at town hall. <laughs> it's, it's a classic, though. Like that's, yeah. You can easily picture it now. You know, yeah. it's one of those picture it now and you, all you got to say is Keenan and Kel. You could see their smiles. You could see Keenan kind of just laughing and shaking his head, you know, and, and the hair that was, uh, I don't know. The, the whole thing was just always, I can picture it all. I can picture their exact characters and it was never not funny. So Grant, what, what else? You're looking at this bracket now. Was there anything else that surprised you? Anything noteworthy from this bracket from the first round? You know, there was one thing that is kind of near and dear to my heart, a 14 seed, um, being a Davidson alum, Davidson <laughs> fan, 14 seed in 2008, Steph Curry yeah. um, taking down the three seed. That's so Raven beating Cat Dog. I thought Cat Dog had a chance to beat That's So Raven. As a 14 seed, Cat Dog, I, I think there's, I have heard it referenced many, many more times than I thought I would. <laughs> and maybe it was recency bias because I had heard a reference to it. But to me, that's so Raven was, was on in the background. I never got attached to it. Um, but I Yeah, guess same. It's a, less of a surprise, more of a, a potential upset that just didn't happen. Yeah, the cat, dog, the cat dog voters did turn out. That was, in terms of... A, Look, that's a Raven won by double digit votes, all of that. But it wasn't a shellacking like these other high seeds issued on the low seeds. Right. 
Right. It's, it's something that I think there was a lot of opportunity there for some people to really take into account like the, the, the animations that went into things. And I, there was some stardom that came from that. So Raven, um, and I think cat dog is easily forgotten because of the, the catalog that Nickelodeon put out during that time. But that one, that one for me was, was something that, that could have been. Grant, I have another takeaway from this first round, and then we can get into some of these second-round matchups before we move over to the sports. What's new, Scooby-Doo? I got a lot of messages. This show is a nine-seed, and I think you voted for what's new, Scooby-Doo. The thing that I got, I messaged back. I said, well, just so you know, this is not the original Scooby-Doo series. This was a reboot this ran for three seasons in the middle of the 2000s, and the original ended in the mid-80s, I believe. It ran from, like, 1967 to the mid-80s, and they were the people were responding, oh, oh, well, I, I guess I'd never seen it. And they said, I, I thought I was voting for the original. So I think this needs to be a PSA. If you're voting for What's New Scooby-Doo, you're not voting for the original Scooby-Doo franchise. You're voting for this reboot, and I think that's really important because we're crowning the show of the 2000s, and the bigger Scooby-Doo franchise did not occur in the 2000s. I I don't know if you watched What's New Scooby-Doo, but uh, I just needed to get that little rant in here. You know, that's totally fair, and I think it it would be, for all the listeners, um, definitely helpful to make that clarification going into the second round. But having said that, I think what I what attracted me to that pick, um, I was not clear on that. However, the, the Dora, the Explorer pick, um, I don't know if I would (laughs) have picked that though. Um, I, I'm not a Dora the Explorer fan. I've constantly been curious about (laughs) the, the, the show and if there are really truly unique episodes, I don't think I've ever lasted through a full one. Um, <laughs> the mistake I made on the what's new Scooby-Doo and, and I'll be completely transparent here is uh, my brother uh, Clayton Smith. Uh, for those of you that don't know, he's, he's a year older. Um, he's living in Cincinnati now as a lawyer, but we would watch Scooby-Doo pretty often growing up. And I assumed that that was the same cartoon. So shame on me for not even knowing the name of the show I was watching. (laughs) Well, that's, I just think people need to know what they're voting for here. And look, I did get someone, someone responded. The reboot was amazing. I love the reboot. I'm like, well, that's great. If you watched it and you want to vote for the reboot, then vote for the reboot. But please just don't vote for it. If, if you're voting for the Scooby-Doo brand as a whole, because the Scooby-Doo brand as a whole is not what we're voting for here, because you could put in, there are other shows you could put in. And for instance, we baby Looney Tunes was an option in the first round. It wasn't Looney Tunes as a whole. It was baby Looney Tunes. That, that made me hesitate. I almost picked that, but I did actually read that pick, <laughs> and I knew I was confident in not choosing baby Looney Tunes. Had it been Looney Tunes, I would have been curious because I don't think that falls 
that well into our into our years here, but um, that was a helpful distinction. So I think clarification <laughs> in round two needs to be had. Good, yeah, because Hannah Montana could be in trouble here. He's, what's new Scooby-Doo just rolled through Dora and could very well happen with Hannah Montana, the one seed. I'm, I'm looking at the, the South region here, and I am astonished um, right, by the, the strong female leads in Hannah Montana and Zoe one-on-one and iCarly, the Amanda show. That is, yeah. that is a powerful bracket. Um, I, I even mean, Stevens as well. Even Stevens, yeah. That's, I mean, my goodness. I, it's going to be interesting to see how people um, go through that. I, I think we might run into an era, um, and I, I certainly think this is going to be true re- regardless of what um, region we're looking at. But um, I look at things like Fairly Odd Parents taking on Sweet Life. Like That could be a real head-scratcher for some of us. Um, and then looking at Drake and Josh and Phil of the future. Um, but I, I don't know how I'm going to decide. And I feel like for, for, <laughs> for some of the stuff that we've already talked about, it's going to be like an even Stevens might not even be on some people's radar. Yeah, I think another one, Rugrats versus Clifford. Clifford had some really strong voter turnout. Clifford smoked Reading Rainbow. Clifford the Big Red Dog, Rugrats could be in trouble here because Rugrats, there were a lot of votes for Lilo and Stitch the series in, in a, as a 15 seed. So Rugrats could be on upset alert here as well. I'm going to, I'll be honest, I was a big on Clifford, um, not as keen on reading Rainbow, but the Lilo yeah. and Stitch surprises me a little because I think, again, we have to separate the movie yeah. from the show. Yeah. And the show was not very iconic. No memories of the show. <laughs> and now I, I don't necessarily have the greatest memory, um, but some of these shows did have movies coming out of it. And I think there's, there's more to say about the show than the movie. And that's not the case for Lilo nor Stitch. What about Jimmy Neutron? How do you feel about that? I am a Jimmy. If I were to say, kind of pick a top five, and the teams that remain, I, I think that Jimmy Neutron might fall in that top five. I, I, I like it against all that. I think it's one of those shows that just had so many episodes and the defining characters were so incredibly funny to me. I mean, I can recite the, the theme song. I did it with my roommate and girlfriend the other day. <laughs> it, it, it stays with you. Got a blast, man, and Goddard, his dog, mechanical canine, that stuff stays with you. And I'm really going to struggle because for me, Jimmy Neutron and and Drake and Josh is is what to what I'm expecting to make in the next round. And and Drake and Josh, it's hard to beat. Yeah. Um, I mean, those Drake and Josh both still within kind of the mainstream in some aspects, whether yeah. it's through Vine or the TikTok, I know Josh Peck, Drake Bell, um, their names are still out there. So can't say the same for Jimmy Neutron necessarily on TV <laughs> these days. For sure, for sure. Well, it'll be a lot of fun to see how this thing goes this week. There will be four matchups each day 
over this next week. And then we will get to the Sweet 16 next week. We can do a little check-in on that in next week's podcast episode. Make sure you guys go on and vote. If you're following me on Instagram, Twitter, uh, you will see those on there on my Instagram story. And my handle is at Jack Vita Show. Facebook.com slash Jack Vita Show. The whole bracket is on Facebook. And you can comment your picks for each region on each day. And I will count all those votes. And we will see who makes it to the next round. And it'll be a lot of fun. And I'm excited to see how this thing goes this week. I'm excited. <laughs> all right, Grant. That was that was fun to go through. I think we pretty much covered everything there. Let's shift over to the world of sports and man, it is so I'm not used to this much action in late August. It's normally just baseball and honestly, as much as I love having this much sports, it's the time of year where I just want to be outside and so it's hard for me to balance spending time outdoors with being glued to my TV. You know, I, I was dealing with that as we talked about and, and you know, and, and for the listeners that don't know me well, I, I care about the Cubs. It goes my face, my family, and then the Cubs. It's, it's <laughs> something that is near and dear to my heart. And watching the Cubs became a priority when I found out they were going to be playing 60 games and I think, what, 66 days. That meant I could watch them every day. And yeah. it, it just became too much. And I had to separate and from kind of separate from that, that yearning for, for baseball. Um, and it was something that it was good over the past weekend. I just watched a little bit of the Cubs Sox series, uh, which turned out to be better for me as a Cubs fan to not witness some of that. <laughs> um, but, but I do agree with you. There's something about end of August kind of, it's usually school starting back up. People are spending more time with their family before everything gets back and kind of kicked into gear. And, and this year, as, as pretty much everything else has gone this year, it's been different. Um, but it's, it's been a welcome change. It's enjoyable to have baseball and basketball and hockey, um, kind of whether it's playoffs or, or really, really important high-pressure games going on at the same time. Yeah, it's just, it's still strange to me. It's typically we're gearing up for college football and for NFL. And that's actually something I've enjoyed because typically sports radio in late August, it's just, oh, here's the latest from training camp and this preseason NFL game. And I just, I'm not into the preseason stuff. So it's fun to have, it's fun to have other sports going on to talk about. I, I agree, and, and as a as a former swimmer myself, it's it's really disappointing on this year where the kind of the historic sports that we're talking about, like baseball and basketball and even hockey, are are kind of overshadowing the, the non-existent Olympics this year, where where swimming yeah. and water polo and track and field kind of get their once every fourth year um, spotlight. So. I know it'll it'll come back at some point. I'm not even sure about next year, given the global situation here. But um, it's it's been tough to deal with. I always look forward to the Olympics, especially. Yeah, I'm sad about that too. And yeah, the last thing I'd say is just the fact that it's August. I've been out of town twice, and typically 
when I go on my week long vacation in August, it's baseball and I'm I'm not on TV. I don't have any internet. I don't have my phone. It's pretty much a week off the grid. And this year, when that happened, it was like, yeah, NBA, NHL are back right now. Baseball just started. And <laughs> it was really strange. It was really strange to come back from vacation and just be brought back into the loop on everything that had happened over the previous week. You know, I'm I'm still getting used to after 2016 and even 2015 being a Cubs fan and being invested in baseball in August. Usually, from <laughs> from the years like I was born as a Cubs fan in '94, it you you kind of paid attention for the first two months, and then it was season's already over for us. Um, kind of honing things in, but <laughs> it's it's exciting. Cubs are still in first place. They're They've got a pretty commanding lead, three-game lead on the Cardinals, um, who still have only played, I think, 10, 10 less games than than the Cubs. Yeah, they have a lot and of games so to make up. We'll see how those doubleheaders treat the Cardinals, but the other their opponents have to play those doubleheaders as well. So we'll see how that goes and how that shakes up um, some of the standings later in the year. Yesterday, Cubs-White Sox. Cubs got... They they did not win on Friday or Saturday. I'll leave it at that. And uh, yesterday, there was it was a really really good game. It felt like a playoff game. It felt like these are the games that really matter down the stretch. Cubs White Sox. Cubs win two to one. It got really close. The Cubs bullpen made things very interesting down the stretch. Dylan Cease, who the Cubs traded in that Jose Quintana trade, he looked really good and. It was really fun to see him going toe-to-toe with you, Darvish. Both those guys had to work really hard to get those outs. It was a classic baseball pitcher's duel type of game that I really enjoyed. You know, I, I'm glad you said that because I think the, the pitcher's duel doesn't get nearly as much respect as it, as it should, um, especially given the fact that the, the National League is doing the, the DH this year. So the designated hitter being brought in as a rule. Um, I used to be very much against it. I'm, I still I'm okay am. with it for now. I think <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I'm warming up to it, um, but I, th- I think it's good for the sport in, um, in time of, of need of, of viewership. But if this is how the Cubs are going to play um, against the White Sox, I'm nervous for the end of the year when their last few games are going to be in – um, in the south side, playing against the Sox, where if they need a couple wins and they only squeeze out one, that's that's going to be bad news for the Cubs. Yeah. So I, I I enjoyed the win on Sunday, but the losses really really scared me for for how well the Sox were hitting the ball against the Cubs starters and bullpen. The Sox have a really awesome batting order. They have a lot of big bats in that lineup and. One of the big differences between how the Sox are constructed and how the Cubs are constructed, they have a leadoff guy. The The White Sox have Tim Anderson, who's batting around 360, won a batting title last year. And then you look through that lineup, there are a lot of really good batting averages, whether it's Aloy Jimenez, Jose Abreu, there's a, and Mancata. They have, those bats are really producing in a way that the Cubs' offense just is not, and I don't really think the Cubs are made to perform that way. 
You know, it's interesting because the Cubs for so long have been home run have been a home run hitting team. And yeah. I think five years ago, that's how they scored most of their runs, which proved to be a problem in 2015. In, in 2016, even, um, you had Schwarber coming in in the playoffs and just absolutely raking, and, and that helped. And obviously, I think it was uh, David Ross in Game 7 hitting the solo home run. So it was, there was a lot of big home runs, but there's we we don't have many people hitting that many doubles. We don't have many people even like approaching kind of like the cycle in any games. And, and and that's okay if you build around it, but it's, it's been a concern for a long time, really ever since we traded or got rid of Dexter Fowler. Um, And and that one hurt certainly going to the Cardinals, but it's been glaring. Uh, It's been glaring. And I do think we have people who are able to do it, but in the major leagues, you need, someone who is experienced and knows how to really work a count and get a starting pitcher to show his stuff early in the game. And the Cubs still don't have that. Yeah, the Cubs, it's been, and I, they've had this idea for a few years that you can just plug and play guys, and it doesn't really work that way. Not with the leadoff spot. And there's a reason why each guy who gets put into that leadoff spot does not perform well because they're not they're not a leadoff hitter and Chris Bryan is not a leadoff hitter. I talked about this last week with Jake Poliga. Grant, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this. I think Javi Baez's struggles can partly be attributed to the fact that Chris Bryant and Anthony Rizzo are no longer hitting behind him. What do you think? You know, I think that Javi Baez is an extremely, extremely confident baseball player. But I think most of that is his fielding. I think as a hitter, he still has, he's come a long way with being able to hit a curveball, but it, it is painful to see kind of how he approaches the plate. And I think as a Cubs fan, I get excited when he comes to the plate but I don't feel as confident as I am with a Rizzo or a KB. So having them in front of him turns him into, I think it makes him take an approach of, I need to hit a big hit. And then he swings for the fences even more than he already does. And then those looping curve balls, he tries to swing for the fences and you can't always do that in the major leagues unless it's hanging right down the middle. And they're not going to make that mistake many times. So I think he, I think he might be more confident, but it's an unhealthy level of confidence, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. And in addition to the psychological effect of him being in that spot, look, he chases. He was already chasing these pitches last year. The thing is, though, he saw better pitches when he was not in the three spot and he had those guys behind him. But now that he's in that spot and he's got Schwarber behind him, there's an, it's easier to just pitch around the guy and you know, he's going to swing at everything. Whereas when, if he's batting two and he's got, you got those big bats behind him, nobody wants to walk anybody with those guys coming up. I mean, that's, that's the big thing that I think the Cubs can work on with Javi is, is his swing rate. I mean, just looking at it against the MLB average is obviously you want your good hitters to swing at the ball um, and they know what to do with it. But when you can't hit a curveball that well and you don't know how to sit on it, 
I, I think he needs to just be more patient. And that's where I really miss the leadership of Zobrist, uh, a guy who could yeah. field well, a guy who's great in the locker room, and uh, a batter who knows not just when to swing, but where to put the ball when he puts it in play. And I think Javi is still a young player um, and has a bit of a way to go, but he's definitely improved. Um, but I think, as you said, putting him in this spot in the order uh, would be good if he was already in like, mentally ready to be someone who can get a single when the bases are loaded instead of just swinging for the fences. I just don't really think that's ever going to change with him. I think he sort of is what he is, and you need to put him in the best spot to maximize on what that is for your club. That's totally fair. I, I think then the decision the Cubs are left with is, who do we sacrifice? Do we let Javi continue to be Javi in that spot and put Chris Bryant up at lead? Or do we try to put Javi Baez in the leadoff spot and yeah. Kind of, so I think I think unfortunately in a season like this they don't have time to take as much of a leap of faith by putting Javi in the leadoff spot. You know Chris Bryant is gonna even Rizzo in a leadoff spot, to be honest with you, is gonna be yeah. more of a a tried and true um than a true experiment. So maybe next year. Maybe next year, Grant. I'm not as optimistic about this Cubs squad as you might be. 17 and 10, but the big thing that I've really noticed over the last week or two at the beginning of the season, I think a big reason why they were winning these games is the contributions they were getting from their starting pitchers, whether it was Chatwood, Mills, Lester, and you're really seeing those guys start to average out to what they are at this point. It's not a great starting pitching staff and they'll win games when they like yesterday, they hold their opponent to one run. They're going to win those games, but this lineup, you look at all of the batting averages in this lineup. It's just a lot of guys just hovering around that Mendoza line at 200. It's not, it's not a great lineup. They're not scoring a lot of runs. The bullpen is not, well, we, we know what the bullpen is. It's not a very good bullpen. And it seems they're going to win when you Darvish pitches the way he did yesterday. He's been phenomenal this year. Kyle Hendricks is a stud. But I just don't really see this team being super intimidating. Even if, I, I understand, 17 and 10, you really only have to go 13 and 20 to get to 500. And 500 should get you into the playoffs in a 30 or sorry, in a 16 team playoff. But having said all that, I just don't, even if they get into the playoffs, cause they're set up well to do that. I just don't really see it with this team. I'm very hesitant to buy in. I need to see more. You know, I, I agree with you. Um, and, and it's funny cause usually I'm, I'm more of a pessimist <laughs> and, and during the games, I'm certainly more of a pessimist when I watch, but you, you look at the standings right now, right. And w- where would you rank the Cubs in, in terms of, would you want to play them in a playoff game? Right. So if there's a wild card game or let's actually, let's say in a seven game series, right. Would you rather play the Cubs or the Marlins? 
or the Mets <laughs> or the Nationals or the Phillies, right? And, and I don't want to play the Cubs. I'd rather play all those teams. And I'd rather play any team in the Central Division than the Cubs right now. The Cubs, Cardinals are one game above 500. Reds, are, Reds and Brewers both four games below 500. Pirates are not even relevant. The only two teams that I really think, maybe three, that are worth talking about here are the Braves and the Dodgers. I think the Padres have had some hot bats recently, yeah. but I don't think they're more of a contender at all than the Cubs. So really, to me, and I'm not even going to mention the, the, the Giants or the Diamondbacks or the Rockies as of yet. They haven't really shown me much, although I think the Rockies are more talented than their, their record shows. But for me, I think that the Cubs could make a, a deep playoff run and it's really the, the American League that is really standing out. To me, before the year started, before the 60-game season started, the AL Central, I was glad the Cubs were playing them <laughs> during the regular season. And now I'm looking at them, and the White Sox are in third place at 17-12. and 12. That's, that's crazy to me. But the Yankees, 16-9, the Rays winning the AL East, who thought that was going to happen? Right, the the A's at twenty and nine. I had I had the Rays winning the AL East actually. That is that's remarkable. I I still think the Yankees <laughs> will get them. I think the Rays are a formidable team, but I I I think the Cubs are a good team right now to make a deeper run in the playoffs, and it's because of the experience of starting pitchers. So as you said, if they just get in the playoffs. I do feel like, uh, also barring any injuries here, that Hendricks and Lester and Darvish, I don't know how many other pitchers I would feel better about on three other pitchers on other teams, at least in the National League, that that I would want to be going in with. Not saying that they're going to be studs in every game, but I think they can get you there. The real worry is the bullpen. I hear you, Grant. You bring up a lot of fair points. I would say, especially with the Braves, they lost Mike Soroka, and there have been a lot of pitching injuries this year. So the Cubs would have to get keep that staff healthy to get in to the playoffs. I don't know. I I like what the Nationals did last year. I think that some of these other teams, if the Reds can just get going with Sonny Gray, Trevor Bauer, Luis Castillo. That is as good of a 1-2-3 punch that you can have in this National League. They have a great bullpen. There are some bats with that squad, but they really need to shed that culture of losing. So I think you I think you raise a lot of fair points. It's definitely the fact that it's just it's pretty open in the National League, is what you're saying. And I, I would agree with that part. I th- I think it is. And I don't get me wrong. I, I I do think the Cubs at 17 and 10, I don't think they're that good. Uh, I, I really don't. I think that they got away with some games they definitely should have lost. And there were some saves that um, were, were questionable. Um, I still think Kimbrell is, is a huge question mark um, for, for the bullpen. Um, but we, we're getting Quintana back. And I think having him in the bullpen um, can kind of settle my nerves for for a little bit here, but I'm going to need to see a, a lot of a lot more games um, with 
with the Cubs winning handedly. Uh, I mean, they have a they're in first place with a plus four run differential, and the Dodgers have a plus seventy nine run differential. And I know I don't like to look in, into that much, but we're halfway through the season for the Dodgers and the Cubs almost, and that's that's a big number. The Dodgers are putting up big numbers, um, and, and the Padres are putting up big numbers too. So to me, it's it's a lot of small things the Cubs need to put together um, to, to even think about making a playoff run, let alone a World Series run slash championship. Yeah, Grant, totally. We have to move on for sake of time. But in terms of baseball, in terms of uh, other teams, who have you been impressed with? Uh, thoughts on the White Sox, anything of that nature? I think the White Sox are overhyped, and that's partly because I'm not a White Sox fan at all. Um, but I, I really, really like the A's. Um, I, I think they're the team that got screwed the most, probably, um, that isn't talked about enough about the Astros, um, kind of with their questionable winning method. Um, don't want to get into that conversation, but preventing the A's who had historic regular seasons um, year after year recently. Um, I'm glad to see them doing well. And I, I think they're going to surprise some people. I don't think many people who don't follow baseball as closely as some of us do really know what the A's have to bring. So we'll see. And of course, of course, I got to shout out Slam Diego. That's been fun watching the Padres. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's been a cool season so far. Tatis Jr. has been great to watch. I'm also in on the A's. I picked them to win the AL West. And uh, yeah, I think it's going to be it's gonna be a lot of fun as we get down to the nitty gritty. It's hard to believe that we're quickly approaching the halfway point on this season. For some teams, the Cardinals still got a way to go. <laughs> <laughs> totally. So Grant... I actually watched some NBA this weekend. I really had not watched a whole lot since it came back, but the playoffs were going. I saw there were some big games this weekend. I also have a sports podcast, so I said, all right, I'll watch some NBA. And yesterday, really, a really fun game yesterday. I enjoyed it. I didn't absolutely love it, but Luka Doncic just absolutely going off at the end of that game and hitting a three at the buzzer in overtime to beat the Clippers. That series is now tied up 2-2. What a game. I was watching that live, and I got to say, I I have been a big fan of watching Doncic play. I've been a fan of watching Porzingis play, and the European style of basketball that they've brought over has, I think, put a lot of American critics in their place. I watched a video of people questioning Porzingis when he was in the draft. I watched people questioning Donkic when he was in the draft. And it's pretty much reversed everything that that they've said, that he's too slow, that he can't um, beat uh, NBA defense. And night in and night out, Donkic, at, what is he, 21 years old, is dismantling the defense. Now, I know he's going up against Kawhi. Kawhi's Kawhi. He's probably going to be able to stop him more times than not. But regardless, going up against any NBA player, Luka does what he wants. And then he makes it. 
And he really reminds me of a James Harden style of play where he's, he's creative. He distributes the ball still. I know there's some questions about James Harden's defense, but their athleticism to me is very comparable and how intentional they are about their movements with the ball. So it's been really fun to watch him. And it's interesting because I picked the Clippers to actually win in the West this year. Yeah. And the reason I, I picked them was because I've been pretty big on Paul George and he's, he's disappeared. He's yeah. really disappeared. And it's frustrating to see because I'm a Paul George fan. Um, and I'm sure Kawhi is probably a little frustrated too, but I also know that Patrick Beverly has been on the bench, so that that doesn't help having him on the sidelines. Yeah, I really, oh my gosh. You know, the thing is, you, you touched on so many things there. You touched on Luka and how he's putting, his, putting up so many points, picking apart that great defense. Really, Grant, there isn't a lot of defense being played in the bubble. I, in fact, I did a little, I read this, there is not a single game in the since the playoffs started where a team did not hit a hundred. So, or sorry, in every game so far, a team has hit a hundred. So there isn't a single game that the winning team scored double digits. They scored triple digits. And for me personally, I, this is one of my gripes with the NBA in this present stage. And I'm a critic of the NBA. I know a lot of people have heard that. Uh, but the thing is, I just like seeing a little more defense being played. Is it the rules and the style of the game, just the fact that it's so fast-paced, that it's so three-point dependent? Is it the fact that people don't want to get very close during this pandemic? What's going on with the defense in the bubble? You know, I, I think the the fan in me wants to say that without fans there, there's, there's less distraction. You can focus on the game more. And I think that might play into it in uh, a playoff atmosphere, but, but I don't think it, it has to do with um, the, the really that extreme of an effect. The fans to me don't wouldn't affect a professional basketball player as much as we think we do. Right. In an arena. Yeah. But I, I like your point about maybe it's uh, the fact that we're in a pandemic. They're trying to stay a little <laughs> bit away from it. But I, I think a lot of people viewed as, as a former athlete, my approach to the bubble would be this is a fresh restart. It's kind of the Blackhawks situation in Edmonton. Right. This is our chance. Yeah. We, we don't always have this chance. This is unique. And I think that's why you have people like Damian Lillard. He fails and then falls down and he picks himself up and he goes on a tear. TJ Warren, right? A lot of casual NBA fans probably have heard of him just because of his beef with Jimmy Butler. He goes on a tear, <laughs> right? And then the Bucks kind of fall off in game one against Vucevic on a Magic, who is an astonishingly good around the rim defender and offensive player. So I think a lot of these teams are reapproaching this year as a brand new season, as an opportunity to really put forth a better effort. And I think that's what we don't see a lot in the regular season in the NBA is not people trying hard, but I think it's trying hard in the right areas. 
And right now, to me, it seems like the offensive game is what's taking precedence for these players. The defensive game has kind of maintained in, in intensity, but the offensive game has stepped up. So I'll be interested to see if those two match further along in the playoffs. That's very interesting. The Toronto Raptors yesterday put up 150 <sighs> points in four quarters. <laughs> 100 of those points were from the bench. It it's unbelievable. It's I and to me, we talked about pitchers duels, like the two to one Sox Cubs game. Like I'm yeah. not a fan. I'm, I'm a Big Ten football fan. It's supposed to be cold. You're supposed to barely get to the ten points. Game should be seven to three. And so yeah, field position, a lot of punting. Yeah, exactly. So it's an adjustment seeing this, but I also think that there was so much strategy. Right there's there's a, an astonishing amount of strategy that goes into basketball that I have never really played organized basketball and there's so I'm not going to pretend to know but I do have a lot of friends that play basketball um, whether it's at Davidson or a lot of pickup basketball in high school and, and kind of at the Y and they understand the game and what it requires to make a basket in the NBA. Of course, you have your James Hardens and your Lucas and Damian Lillards who, in the bubble, seem to just get what they want. But a majority of the time, it's running sets and running plays or on the fast break where you're getting your points. And I think you mentioned it. It's the speed of the game. And I think because these guys prepared so much that uh, for, for the offensive aspect, how to score – the defense is, it's hard to prepare for that on the defensive level, in my point of view. I could be very wrong, but it's, it's nearly impossible to see how a, another point guard can guard Damian Lillard and shut him down without getting some help off the ball. So, Yeah, totally. One other order of business from the world of NBA. Grant, Philadelphia 76ers swept in the first round it's over for them there's a lot of talk about what comes next they have fired their head coach brett brown and really it feels like the 76ers are sort of like the oklahoma city thunder of a few years ago where you're like this is a a, an exciting team sort of sort of (laughs) i mean it's a star-studded team (laughs) they have this really good duo of players they can't seem to win. Or maybe another comparison, the Clippers, Chris Paul, and uh, and Blake Griffin. And it feels like the type of team that five, ten years from now, people are really excited to use in 2K, but they weren't actually that excited to watch them play at the time. You know, I, I think it just goes to show you need to be an elite team to win in the NBA playoffs. And... I know Ben Simmons is elite. I know Joel Embiid is elite. But the type of elite players that they are, they've never played for a team and got that experience to be elite in the playoffs. And then they brought in Tobias Harris, who I love. I I really like Tobias Harris, and I hope he's okay after his injury the other day, falling on the court. But Tobias Harris was was awful for them in the playoffs. Yeah. And so you bring in a, a piece like Al Horford, who he doesn't really speed up the game. And then Ben Simmons gets hurt, so you, you're very much low on defense for 
whoever you're bringing in, right? And it's it. I look at this roster and I'm thinking, there's no way this roster beats the Rockets. There's no honestly. I think of them. They're more like the Thunder right now in terms of talent level. I think my my expectations of Joel Embiid were much much higher than what he delivered on. He scored. He, he rebounded, but. I don't know if he made his team that much better. And I, I think about the Sixers, and I hate to say it, but they've got a, they still have a long way to go. It, the yeah. bench is not what it needs to be to win either. Yeah. No, it's, uh, it's kind of crazy how that whole thing has unfolded. I mean, two years ago was their first playoff appearance, I believe. Yeah. Two years ago was their first playoff appearance of the process. And then uh, now here they are. I mean, they're so young, but it still feels like they should be doing more than they have done. And it doesn't seem like there is a great amount of potential that they're really going to exceed what they have been so far. Yeah, I I think there's some soul searching and some healing for Ben Simmons and some some moves that they need to uh, to make this offseason to really see what's going on. And speaking of young teams, um, I, I think the Bulls still have one of the youngest teams in the NBA, which is, uh, which is exciting to me. <laughs> yeah? Feel good about them? No, I, I don't. But I, uh, <laughs> I, it's, it's very confusing to me how the Bulls have handled their organization ever since the Derrick Rose departure, really ever since the Derrick Rose injury. Um, it seemed like we were the Chicago Derrick Roses for so long, and the city <laughs> of Chicago has bought into that. And I love Derrick Rose, and I love what he did for the Bulls organization. He did everything he could. So it was sad to see him go down many times and then go to the Knicks and Cavs and Pistons and Timberwolves. And, but the young core of the Bulls, I think, I, I want to believe in them, but I, it'll be interesting to see what comes from the draft. Being a Hornets fan as well, it's, it's kind of a pity um, to, to see both the Bulls and the Hornets not even make the bubble, not really be sure what their game plan is. It seems like each year both teams either add a Tony Parker or a Dwayne Wade or a Rondo, some veteran that's just going to bring in more fans to the game. They're not really worried about winning. And... I have no idea what this draft is going to hold for either team. I, I'm, could it be LaMelo Ball? Could it be Wiseman? Could it be, uh, I, I think there's a French player, Killian Hayes, right, that will be top it. Like, there's so many players because this draft is so wide open. It's hard to get really excited um, for the immediate future about either team. Yeah. I feel you, Grant. It's been, uh, it's been a weird time in Chicago sports, but... I guess I'll get you out of here on this, and then I'll let you get a chance to throw out your social media handle, anything of that nature. But I know uh, you're a big Bears fan, and we haven't totally got into preseason football mode. We're three weeks away from opening night, I believe, and or at least three weeks away from season opener. How are you feeling about this quarterback situation? Do you have a dog in the Trubisky versus Nick Foles race? I the the only dog is my fandom, and, and I know you 
you're uh, you're outside of the Chicago realm for, for football fandom, <laughs> at least for the NFL. So, so I know you're, this is probably more entertaining to you than anything else, but <laughs> it's, it's honestly something that I think this is still Mitchell Trubisky's team. And I think it's interesting. They brought a character like Nick Foles in, and characters are the wrong word to use there, but uh, a leader, right? It's a guy who, who took over and won a extraordinarily like feat in the Super Bowl for the Eagles, a, a city that is absolutely crazy for their for their Eagles football. And I think the Bears need that same energy. And what really need who really needs it is, is Mitch. I, Mitch to me. He comes from UNC, a non-football school, probably skates by, and, and he comes to Chicago. He kind of is an immediately a starter. He backs up Mike Glennon, who's just atrocious. <laughs> and and then all of a sudden, we demand the most of them. And it's it's very different for me to compare that story to a uh, to Rodgers. Right, who sits behind Brett Favre for so long and finally gets his shot, and he's the the perfect prodigy there, the perfect student blooming. And Mitchell never really got that chance, so I'm hoping that by bringing in Foles, it could both push him, and that Nick Foles is seemingly a good enough guy to to accept a backup position and and help Trubisky lead the team. But I I have no idea what the coaches' decisions are, how they're going to decide that through practice. We really got to see it in a game. It's going to be so wild, Grant, in just a month or so, less than that, a few weeks, when it's going to be a Sunday and they're going to be NBA and NHL playoff games on uh, golf majors, NFL football, and Major League Baseball, it's just going to be chaotic. <laughs> it's it's going to be tough. I, I'm probably going to have to buy a few new TVs, see if I can uh, <laughs> expense for my work from home efforts. First world problems for certain right there. Yeah. <laughs> that is too true, Jack. Grant, great job today. This was a lot of fun. Did you have anything else you wanted to bring up or discuss while you were here in terms of sports, in terms of entertainment? whatever it may be. No, the only thing I'll say is that sports has a great way of bringing people together. And I I think this is something the world needs. So I think it's a unique way of having all these sports at once. Um, Again, not trying to ignore the atrocities that, that are occurring kind of on, on video cameras across the nation right now. Um, but I do think that it's a, a healthy and welcomed outlet, especially in the year of 2020, to have all these sports at once. Absolutely. I got some other news here that's interesting. It just popped up. Miami Dolphins and the Miami Hurricanes, they're going to have fans at their games this year. 13,000 fans allowed for Miami Dolphins games, and apparently the NFL is saying that it's up to the local city and state governance to decide if places can have fans or not. I'm excited to see that. I think that could be pretty cool. You know, I'm, I'm interested to see that stuff 
I know Florida hasn't handled things that well, so if they can safely do it, um, I'm for it. But I, I, I'm, I'm disappointed in, in how we've handled this situation, and I feel like some sports tried to rush back and probably could have been more thought into it. So I, I think we'll, we're in a position just to kind of sit back and wait to see what the, the leadership determines here, but I'm hoping that um, they keep people's safety at the forefront. Yeah, actually, Florida has been killed for a lot of their decisions, but actually, they've been pretty good in terms of the death rate. It's really just been young people contracting the virus. They've just been much more laid back, and I think, once again, there's no playbook for any of this stuff. We're all sort of figuring it out. It's good that there are different approaches being taken. I'm really glad that we have that, because if we all were on the same page to do the same wrong thing, that would not be a good scene. Pretty boring. But I think I think everybody generally has the everybody's best interest in mind. So hopefully um Yeah. Hopefully we can get a vaccine so we don't even need to worry about this or it can uh be taken care of shortly. Yeah. Totally. So that'll be interesting to see with NFL thirteen thousand fans socially distance at whatever the name of their field is. I know it used to be shared with the Marlins. I don't know where they're at now, but that's, I can't imagine that's going to be much of a home field advantage. It, it'll be interesting to see. I think Kansas city might have fans and it's only about a quarter of the stadium that would be full. I'm just curious if the idea of some fans versus no fans plays any part in home field advantage well i'll be interested to see that i think i want to look at some more statistics on how the nba bubble goes without the fans um affecting because i i think there'll be some some good studies done on that and i gotta talk to some friends of mine who are into basketball analytics and see if there's anything in the works there but that'll be an interesting um thing to take a look at and see if the NBA could at all compare it to not having fans and then compare that to the NFL having minimal fans. I do like um, I do like how some of these baseball teams have decorated their empty stands with the cardboard cutouts of the fans. It's weird to look at Wrigley and the fact that they haven't really done anything. I, I much prefer seeing cardboard cutouts of people than empty seats. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think it's a good way to keep fans connected. Um, I, I've seen some networks try to do the, the virtual fans, and it it doesn't look too great. So I think whatever teams can do to get connected to the fans is, is the best. Totally. All right, Grant, this was a lot of fun. We'll have to have you come back soon. We'll talk some more baseball down the stretch. Is there anything you'd like to plug or promote while you're here? What should people be checking out? You want to throw out your Twitter handle, anything of that nature? You know, I'm I'm a very avid retweeter of Cubs baseball and <laughs> Cubs bloggers. You can follow me, GrantMan16, on Twitter. Um, Instagram, you can find me liking anything that Taylor Swift posts at <laughs> Instagram16. Um, so either of those I'm, I'm not too avid i'm much more of a follower of guys like you jack who uh who really dig into everything that i'm interested in following so appreciate you having me here 
been fun. Yeah, a lot of fun. Thank you so much, Grant. I really appreciate that. And I look forward to having you on sometime in the future. Absolutely. I look forward to that too. Well, folks, that does it for my conversation today with Grant Smith. was so much fun getting into everything from the world of baseball, basketball, even a little football in there. And, of course, the greatest kid show of the 2000s bracket on jackvita.com. You're going to want to log on and check that out. Make sure you vote on the polls on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Jack Vita Show, facebook.com slash Jack Vita Show. You do not want to miss out. You want your voice to be heard. So make sure you get to vote on that. Some great matchups coming up this week. As I mentioned, I keep saying I'm going to talk with Rachel Gerhardt about reality TV. We keep having to move it back, but we finally have a date to record locked in next week. That'll be next Thursday, so that should drop either sometime Labor Day weekend or sometime shortly after Labor Day weekend. Should be a lot of fun. I hope everyone is doing well. It's been a very difficult time in the country at the moment. I was very saddened to see everything that transpired in Kenosha, Wisconsin yesterday and as seems to be enduring today. Kenosha was a place I called home for a couple of years. It was a great place to live. I was so happy there and it's really sad. But you know what? I know that there's a light at the end of this tunnel. I know that God is good. I know that we need to trust him. And that's what I'm doing in this time. He is going to bring us through everything that's going on right now, whether it be the pandemic or just some of the uncertainty and tension in our country right now. God is bigger than all of these problems. I believe that, and I know that to be the truth, and I hope you do too. I'm praying for our country. I'm praying for our world. And if I can ever be praying for you, send me a message. Please, please do. Uh, I know it's a rough time and people who have mental health issues, it's just, it's, it's, it's difficult right now. It's difficult. I think everyone understands that, but let me know if there's any way that I can support you. If you would like to support me, you can subscribe to the Jack Vita show on Apple podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever it is that you get your podcast. Please leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, a.k.a. iTunes. It would do so much good for the podcast. I really would appreciate it. I look forward to chatting and talking with you all next week. Once again, keep trusting God. Keep staying positive. We're going to get through everything. But until next time, I'm Jack Vita, bringing the dancing lobsters. <laughs>